On today's hot sheet, I'm discussing home insurance shocks, the lock-in effect, and this morning's PPI data. Today is Friday, January 12th, 2024, and the hot sheet starts right now. This is the industry's only live daily news show on the internet, brought to you exclusively by BAM. The hot sheet covers what you need to know about the real estate industry in a 24-hour news period. So we've had some interesting things happen here over the past 24 hours. We've gotten more news around the lock-in effect. We're seeing homeowners insurance shocks across the country around wind, fire, flooding, I'm in an area right now that has no power because we've had some incredible rainstorms. So this is something that's happening right now across the country. And we're going to get into first what's going on with homeowners insurance. Because when people talk about affordability, a big component of their monthly payment is how much it costs to insure the property. It's not just mortgage rates and principal. It's taxes and insurance. And when that insurance cost goes, goes up, it typically does not come down. So this is something that not enough people are talking about. And what we found is that most agents use homeowners insurance as a throwaway. I've heard lenders tell people in transactions, hey, you can get that the day of settlement. Don't worry about it. And the reality is, sure, you can get those policies, but you might be paying higher premiums. So we're going to talk about what's driving that right now. If you look at what's going on in the housing market, we're experiencing um, area, uh, big shocks and big increases in annual premiums in areas like California, Florida, Louisiana, and insurers have started to withdraw from some states all together, leading to these increased rates. And you know, imagine if rates jump up 50% on a homeowner's insurance policy, you're going from 2000 to 3000. Well, that could increase your monthly payment 70, $80 a month. So there's some real challenges here, especially when buyers are already feeling squeezed when it comes to affordability. So I want to give you some anecdotal examples here. Uh, the first is California. Um, California's largest homeowners insurer, State Farm, is set to raise home insurance rates by an average of 20% for policies it did not outright drop. And that effectively is um, that that's going to take effect on March 15th. So this is happening here pretty quickly. If you look at some of these maps and uh, Haley's going to put up some maps for us here. Um, specifically, I want to go to the fire risk map. Haley, I think that's the first one we want to look at the fire risk map. I mean, you can see what what's happening, that California is one of those areas and the percentage of properties identified as at risk, according to, the insurance correction doing fire. You can look at the map here. You're seeing it's a lot in the West, but specifically Arizona, Nevada, California in particular, where we've seen fires. I mean, I've been to California and you see these fires happening, um, leaving the Tom Ferry Summit outside uh, Anaheim Angel Stadium. So that's going to be a big challenge here for a lot of folks. Um, and if you look at what's happening, I mean, they're talking about raising those rates pretty substantially. And you know, 20% on a rate and and homes in California are going to have higher insurance replacement costs just because of the cost of living there. So this is one natural disaster we're charting right now. If we can go to the second one, Haley, I want to go to wind next. Um, the wind risk is pretty interesting as well. So you can see this is affecting 
places once we get the map up here. Um, you know, Texas, the Gulf Coast, up all and down the East Coast here, as far up as Massachusetts and in New England. And what we're seeing happen there is that there, Florida is just all there because this is because of tornadoes. I mean, literally the last two days, there was a state of emergency in New Jersey because of a substantial rainstorm that's happening. And we might see the same thing happen again tonight. So we'll be watching that pretty closely. And then we're going to go to the flood risks. If we can go to that third chart, Haley, I just want people to understand where this is affecting. And then we'll get into some of the data. Um, so if you look at flood risk, um, none of the analyzed counties here and you know, you can see it, Kentucky in particular is one of those areas that had a big bounce when it comes to flood risk. What we've seen in the past is that FEMA redrew the flood maps a couple years ago and areas that weren't in flood zones were now in flood zones. And if you're not familiar with flood insurance, that's a major premium. And FEMA offers this themselves. So you might need to go with a private flood insurance route. Most agents and most people don't even know private flood insurance even exists. And that can have anywhere from a 27 to 34% savings, according to our local insurance carrier here who's helped us with these things. So you're seeing the areas of the country that are affected. What some people don't know, and we can kill the chart here, is that now homeowners insurance companies, they have drones flying around in the Midwest and in other places looking at the roofs on your property. And they're inspecting the roofs and sometimes saying, hey, if you want to renew your policy, you need to put on a new roof. So there's a lot of disruption in the insurance industry right now. And if you go through the impact on property cash flows, let's start with California. And um, again, we're talking about an average of 20% increase on its policies. Um, the article that Lance Lambert did, and this is really, really intelligent what Lance put together. It's, uh, it was an analysis by First Street Foundation, which projected the counties that are at the highest risks of an insurance correction. So they also went into the impact on property cash flow. And they took an example of a homeowner in Fort Lauderdale whose home insurance and property taxes increased by $500 a month and effectively you know, having the property's cash flow. So think about an investor, right? Your payment jumps up $500. That's significant. That's almost the equivalent of $100,000 finance at 6%. It's about $80,000 finance. So I want everyone to kind of understand how the math works here. That's really, really important. And that's just one example. This is happening all over the country right now. And if you're not talking about this as an agent and making sure you're getting various quotes and putting your people in touch with the right insurance provider, you're really doing them a disservice. This is something that you need to have on your radar. The analysis by First Street Foundation the First Street Foundation, they conducted this analysis and they looked at like who's going to have an insurance correction due to fire, wind and flood. So let's start with fire. So among the analyzed counties and to give you some perspectives, there's 3,075 counties in the U.S. And of those 3,075, 368 counties had at least 50 percent of local housing properties identified as at risk. So you're looking at you know a little over 10 percent, 15 percent of the counties. Half of those homes, roughly, are going to have at-risk insurance premium increases. 94 counties of those 3,075, so a little less, you know, about 3% 3, 3 or so, they have 100% of their local properties at risk, mostly along the coastal region. And this is to do with wind um, from Massachusetts to Texas. You saw the map there. So you're seeing 
major, major risks around wind. Um, and then fire, it's 46 counties of the 3,075. Um, I think I've transposed that there. So the 368 counties, that had the most. That was that green chart we showed you there. Haley, if you could put that up just to, again to reiterate that for everybody. That's you know about 15% of the country is having wind risk issues right now. When we look at, and, and I mean, look at this here. This is a gamut of properties. This is not one specific area. And you think about, you know, hurricane paths and things like that. They basically kind of start in the Gulf and then go right up the East Coast. So 15% of properties, if you've got a property by the water or a coastal property, you're going to get hit with an increase one out of two chance. That's the numbers here. That's the an uh, analysis we have from First Street Foundation. So you can kill the chart, Haley. Thank you. Fire risk, I misspoke there, 46 of the 3,075 counties in the U.S. Um, have at least 50% of their local properties identified as at risk for insurance correction, mostly in the West and the South. We went over that. Um, the most at risk county is Andrews County in Texas. So you can see it's areas that don't have a lot of precipitation. That's really what we're seeing. And flood, none of the analyzed counties had at least a 50% identification of an insurance correction, uh, but the most at-risk county was in Kentucky there. It had 49.6% of properties. And this is probably because FEMA already did these maps a few, redid these maps a few years ago. So here's the limitations in this analysis. And I'm going to give you your takeaway as a knowledge broker if you really want to help your clients here. Flood risk is done at a county level, um, and that can vary significantly within a, in a zip code. Anecdotally, I've seen that with a lot of underground streams that exist. And there's areas that are in flood zones you would not even think. And I'm living west of Philadelphia. And this is an area that's, you know, we've got New Jersey in between us. There's a lot of you know, streams, rivers, that sort of stuff. This happens. And you want to make sure that your people are looking at this because that can significantly impact the monthly payment. That's what we're talking about here. And, you know, when, when you look at this um, on top of the, you know, homes with low level insurance correction risk, they're still seeing rising insurance rates. The insurance industry has been disrupted. And that drone issue I'm talking about, we're seeing people, they not only raise the rate on the insurance, but they're telling you you have to put on a new roof. This is something that's happening all over the place right now. Happening in the Midwest. It's happening here on the East Coast. So it's another issue people are going to have to deal with when buying a home. And lastly, construction costs and home prices, because they surged so much since 2020, you know, it, th that kind of contributed to this increase because the replacement cost is so much higher, right? It costs more to get a roof now than it would have three, four years ago in most cases. Um, and it makes the repairs more expensive. We know what's happened with the cost of materials, the cost of labor. It's constantly going up. So this is something that the insurance industry is now taking note of and it's facing people. So what do you do as an agent? Let me give you the takeaway here. I would avoid big box companies like State Farm, as an example. Don't let your clients say, oh, well, I have car insurance through one of these providers, Allstate, State Farm, you name it, Progressive, whoever. That can be a mistake. If they are not reviewing their policies and shopping for insurance, they're missing out on the opportunity to save. I would be looking at a local brokerage partnership for each and every real estate agent watching. Interview people that you can refer out. You do the same thing with your lenders. Why are we not doing this with insurance? And make it part of your pending sale checklist. Hey, you went under contract, congratulations. Now in the next seven days, let's go shop around for insurance because if you're getting a mortgage, you need an insurance policy to be able to get that mortgage funded. 
And if you're waiting until the last minute, depending on your state laws, every state is different. You might be missing a contingency date or something else. So I'm a big believer that you want to have great local partnerships for insurance, just like you do for mortgages. That's the advice I have for everyone here. Major, major takeaway. So that's what we got on insurance. I want to get into the lock-in effect next because Redfin, uh, they did an analysis of the uh, FHFA, the Federal Housing Finance Agency's national mortgage database to show the share of homeowners with rates below 6%. And that decreased from a record high in 2022 because obviously rates were higher in 2023. So if you look at the interest rates on mortgages, 89% of people with a mortgage have a rate below 6% right now. And that's a decrease from 93% in 2022 because rates have gone up. People that bought homes, they can't get those sub-6 rates. Nationwide, 88.5% of U.S. homeowners with mortgages have an interest rate below 6%, down from 92.8% in mid-2022. So these numbers are, are right there across the board. We're talking about a variation of less than half a percent. So the lock-in effect, what that means is that people feel like they can't make a move because they got this great mortgage rate. The mortgage rate has turned into an asset for them and not a means to purchase a property. All of a sudden, a 2.75 or 3% rate, you know, it's, hey, this is an asset. I got this home at a lower cost. The cost of money is less. So even if I want to move, and this depends on equity and down payment and a lot of other things, even if I want to move, it's going to cost me more on a monthly payment, even if they're trading off the same amount of debt. That's the reality here. So this is the lock-in effect. Lance Lambert has popula uh, popularized this uh, with the Resi Club, and it contributes to the shortage that we're seeing in, in inventory right now. That's the reality. However, all the people that bought a home last year, rates were above 6% besides that blip in January that we saw. So we still saw people transact, and it had a lot to do with what's their situation. One of the Ds, is it a death, divorce, downsize, diapers, degrees? Are they moving up? Are they running out of space? You know the motivation. If you're investing in yourself watching the, the hot sheet here, you know what the motivating factors are. So we've seen that home listings have increased year over year uh, because there's homeowners that need to move. And we saw rates come down from a peak of around 8%, <clears throat> excuse me, down to you know six and a quarter locally, some places six and three eighths. The national average is coming in about six and a half right now. So this is what the lock-in effect means. And here's the thing no one is accounting for. And Haley, I just sent this to you. I don't know if you're able to put this tweet up from Steve Harney. And I think this is what agents need to be thinking about. In fact, I'm not thinking, I know this is what agents need to be thinking about. Most analysts, because we're talking about all the, the stats and data here, right? The charts and graphs. Most analysts are not giving enough weight to a key metric when it comes to housing. Human behavior, which is what drives this in many cases. And there's a massive 18-month pent-up selling demand because of what's happening with interest rates. The spouse who hates their partner but hasn't told them yet because they got a great mortgage rate, they're running out of patience. The young couple living in a one-bedroom condo over a pizza place, found out they're pregnant with twins three months ago, right? So they're now beginning to care less about the rate and more about living in a comfortable situation. Any minor movement in rates, they're going to list their homes. This was January 5th when we already saw rates come down into the low sixes. This perspective here, if you're a real estate agent and you're combating the lock-in effect, there's going to be some people that don't move. Haley, you can kill the tweet here. There's going to be some people that don't move because of that. That's a condition. 
And if you're asking the right questions, there's going to be some people that are moving in spite of the market. That's where it's your job to be the knowledge broker and being able to educate them on, hey, here's what's happening. Here's what's not. So the reasons people are selling right now are all these motivating factors. And the good news here is that some people, they've got increased equity because of the pandemic-driven appreciation that we've seen. And they can now justify because maybe they're getting into a home they couldn't have afforded. Maybe you need to bring options to the table now that rates are in the low sixes locally. Again, check with your lender here. Maybe they want to buy down the rate even more and get into the fives and then they're really comfortable. Those are options that are out there. And intelligent agents who are here to serve people are presenting options right now because when you present options, it allows people to make the decisions that are best for them. So just to give you some perspective here on what you're dealing with, below 6%, that's 88.5% of the country. Below 5%, 78.7%. So that tells me there's 20% at play right there, 21% that will be less concerned about rates. You got 59.4% are below 4% rates and 22.6% are below 3%. So I'd be looking at what's their motivating factor. Great questions to ask are, hey, so what's important to you about making this move, Haley? What's that going to do for your family, Byron, if you decide to move into a bigger property? And when you ask those sort of questions, it's going to relate who's actually motivated in these situations. So the other thing you want to do here, and that's going to be really important, if I'm someone out there talking to clients, which I do every day, focus less on the rate and more on the monthly payment, right? So, hey, I, I get it. Rates are higher. And there's going to be some people that say, hey, I'm waiting for rates to come down. And you might want to respond to that with, how certain are you that rates will be lower later in the year? Because most of the projections that we see are in the low six, high five range. Um, the cost of buying and selling, I mean, typically the average for a medium priced U.S. home, the monthly payment's $2,399. Um, although that's down from the 2022 high, it's still 7.4% higher than a year ago because of the increased rates. So it's really about monthly payment. The way people buy homes is how much cash to close and what's their payment going to be. And the knowledge brokers out there, the people that are going out, taking market share, doing deals, they're saying things like, hey, I, I get it. And you know the rate's going to be what it is. You can always renegotiate the rate later if they do come down with the refinance. It's not a guarantee. That's an option later. Tell me what monthly payment you're comfortable with, and let's look for options that fit that monthly payment. It actually piggybacks off the first topic with which, you know, there's taxes and insurance that are a component of that as well. So these are the conversations to have to combat the lock-in effect. And that's where having a financial planning meeting, a strategy session, putting together a closing cost estimate. We all know what that is. Most consumers don't. Hey, here's your financial plan into getting into a new home. That kind of language will help you meet people where they're at so you can help them transact and combat the lock-in effect here. So before we get into that, I want to give you a couple things that are really important. Then we're going to talk about the PPI data here and wrap this up. So the commission lawsuit, right? We've heard about this nonstop. January 24th at 1230, I'm doing an exclusive training on how to handle questions and objections about the commission lawsuits. I've already tested these. The day after the commission lawsuit settlement or, or ruling, excuse me, got announced November 1st, first phone call, the consumer brought it up. A couple days later, we had a listing appointment with Anthony from our team. It came up at the listing appointment. And if we weren't prepared to deal with these things, then it might not have gone that well. And that's the concern. And you've got to understand how to respond to these. These aren't objections. They're questions. People don't know what's going on. 
We're going to go over best practices around the scripts, the dialogues, and the presentations to show your difference from the average agent. Check out uh, the commission lawsuit training. It's best practices in the commission lawsuit training. It's about a week and a half from today. You're not going to be disappointed. You're going to walk away with actionable scripts and dialogues. Reserve your spot with the link in the description here on the show. That's a can't miss. Most real estate leaders right now are burying their head in the sand and they're not talking with their agents about that. The good news is myself and our, our, our friends at BAM here, we got you covered. So let's talk about the PPI data. Um, and this just came out. So this is the producer price indices. Uh, was released this morning at 8.30 a.m. So the uh, producer price index for final demand fell by a tenth of a percent in December following decreases of a tenth in November and four-tenths of a percent in October. And this is another positive signal for inflation. So for the Fed meeting coming up, this is kind of what you hope to see. Economists uh, expected a monthly gain of a tenth of a percent. So we're seeing a two-tenth of a percent swing here which may not sound like a lot, but considering December is a high spending month, that's a really good thing. And on an unadjusted basis, the index for final demand rose by 1% in 2023 after seeing a 6.4% increase in 2022. All very good news here. So what we're seeing here with demand and, and kind of the thing you want to be aware of is that the decrease in demand is attributed by the prices for finals good demand, which is what you know, demand services are like. Um, so there's things like food, energy, trade services. That index rose a little bit by two tenths of a percent in December, and it was uh, up two and a half percent for the year, but down from four point seven. So we're seeing progress here across the board on goods. The final demand goods fell by four tenths of a percent in December, with energy prices dropping by one point two percent. So again, good news here. And that's remains unchanged. And, you know, goods and, and food and energy, I mean, those are exclu goods excluding food and energy. If they're flat, that's really important. Food and energy is a little bit of a different thing, right? So we're seeing all these positive indicators here. And what this tells me is that some of the notable price changes, a 12.4% drop in diesel fuel, 14.6% in cold rolled steel sheets and strip prices, and a 3.3% increase in prices for securities brokerages. All of this stuff tells me the inflation moderation is working and should provide for a very positive Fed meeting where we don't see rates go up and a continued course of we might see some decreases this year. You want to see this stuff falling. And that's what we're seeing across the across the board. Um, you know, intermediate demand process goods. Uh, I mean, all, all, all these things, um, you know, prices for services, less trade, transportation and warehousing. They did rise a little bit. So. We're seeing mostly positive data here in the PPI. All this means is you've got to get the word out to the consumers that are out there. So before we leave with you here, we got one more thing we want to cover, which is um, if you want to get access to everything we talked about today, sign up for BAMX. This is where you can get access to all the hot sheet daily downloads, courses, bi-weekly masterminds, and the BAMX community. Use the, cool, use the code TOOL, that's T-O-O-L-E, for 10% off your subscription with the link in the description. So we covered a ton of data here. Here's your job now. Rewatch this, take some notes, use the charts, and then start having conversations with people that need guidance in all these areas because that's what a great knowledge broker does. That's what a great agent does. And if you're investing in yourself here, um, that's what we want to do. We got a couple questions. So will the commission training be available online? Yes, click on the link. We're doing it virtual. It's going to be badass. Any other questions we got, Haley? What's my Peloton name? Power Tool with an E. There you go. What else do we got? 
I don't think we have any more questions. So no more questions. Look, it's Friday. There's a lot of time left in the week here. We covered a lot of great stuff. Think about what we discussed with the lock-in effect and those questions. And that's why it makes sense to check out the hot sheet every single day here on BAM. Catch you guys next time. Oh, <laughs> oh,